ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. Yeah, hey patrons, what's up? That was a, that was all like a like a full on. But, but I want to thank you uh, and say yes, ask a little ask ask wasn't on purpose. Uh, Sask a mask to you, all right? Uh, <laughs> thanks for supporting the show, and let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, you're all night tossing and turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to try to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever is keeping you awake, whether it's uh, things, thoughts, or feelings, or whatever it is. Uh, I'd like to distract you from that. What I'm going to do is uh, try to make you feel welcome. I'm glad you're here. There's a huge community of listeners listening right now. Or they may be going through something similar or something different than you. But they're all here. I'm sending my voice across the deep, dark night for you and all the other people listening. To try to keep you company, because you're not alone. Uh, you got me here, you know, with the creaky dulcet tones and the pointless meanders. And there's also other people on the receiving end of this podcast. Uh, and if you're new, here's one thing about it being on the receiving end. A lot of listeners are on the reflecting end of the podcast and not the receiving end. And what I mean by that is, uh, like, so if you're new here, you, you don't, this is a podcast you don't really need to totally listen to. You can kind of listen to it or barely listen to it. Or, you know, they have, like, I talk about this a lot. They have active, you're supposed to be doing this active listening, right? That's what they tell me. At every, like, time I have to, they call it, you know, when every time I'm sitting in a group in a circle, they say, well, you got to work on your listening. We start with the active listening. Or maybe just, you know, quiet your mind so you can passively listen. Those are a lot of work. Like, let's not joke around. Some people, you know, are good at it. And I'm not, uh, my brain, like, I'm always, because my brain's got so much noise going. Well, here's the thing with this podcast. You don't need to actively listen. You don't need to passively listen. You can reflectively listen. And what I mean is you just let these sounds bounce off your eardrums. So instead of being on the receiving end, you'll be on the reflecting end where you'll be, like, it'll be... You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me either, but I think that's the best way to describe it. Also, if you're new, there's no need to feel any pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here to keep you company. And actually, in reality, this is like it says, it says that there's also mispronunciations. That's another thing I do on common words. For Who mispronounces the most four-letter words on earth? Me. And I wouldn't like I would I, normally I'd say well uh, if you, if you count the recorded versions I think I probably do have a Guinness Book of World Record for mispronunciations because uh, the show gets played a lot comes out twelve times a week or twelve times a month and I mispronounce a lot of words uh, somebody get Guinness World Book on the phone hey wait, let me get back to but so you you shouldn't feel any pressure this podcast is more to keep you company. You need to take your mind off to try to create a, a safe place where you can fall asleep. You can drift off. Uh, I'll be here while you float off into the arms of Morpheus or, you know, uh, like, like I don't know if you could, like, stay puff marshmallow man after retirement or a stay puff marshmallow person or a stay puff marshmallow family. 
you know, or just like, what if you floated into a world where there's just sleeping stay puff marshmallow people? I wonder what they would like, 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 I guess you wouldn't want to float into it nude. I was thinking like, uh, probably be more comfortable if they were nude, stay, stay puffed marshmallow people. Ghostbusters 2 reboot. Uh, hello. You, you, you can take that for free. And uh, anyway, so if you're new, okay, so welcome. This is Sleep With Me, a podcast to put you sleep. Uh, so if you're new, those are the kind of two important things I remember. Uh, uh, that it's like this podcast doesn't have anything super important other than you uh, to try to help you fall asleep because you deserve it. Structurally, the show starts with six minutes of business. If you're new, it's not super important. Thanks for sticking around through it. It's a sleep podcast. we got to do it up front. And even then, I have to stick in a reminder for regular listeners. When your hand hits that fridge tomorrow, please try to remember who supported the show. So you can either check out our sponsors or, or you know, because it's critical, uh, that part, for regular listeners. And if you're, uh, like, but then after that is an intro, which probably, like, halfway through, uh, in like those are like 12 to 14 to 15 to 11 to 18 minutes where I ramble and kind of try to describe what the podcast is about and I get lost in my own thoughts uh and then I like I like what do you call it I, I lead by example you say I don't know what this guy's talking about and I said uh well I think I was talking about mispronunciation that was not a purpose either mispronunciation of small words big words too it's weird like uh like i got a gum i got a gummy brain i have gummies and my brain's gummy also there's like i just heard this spoken word performance of a poem about gummy bears the tv show and i have a couple of those gummy bears uh bouncing around in my brain too drinking their gummy juice or whatever the heck it was they used to drink yeah, so it's a podcast to put you sleep to take your mind off stuff, uh, keep you company. You, you just kick back and listen. Now, the podcast doesn't work for everybody, and I guess I apologize for that in advance. Uh, like, I hope it works for you. Give it a few tries. Almost every review, well, not almost every review, that's uh, hyperbole. A, a large number of reviews say, oh, well, I didn't re- like it didn't work for the second or third time. There's even a few reviewers that said I wrote a bad review of the podcast, kept listening. Now I'm changing my review to a good one because, uh, but, it, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. So, should, like, don't feel like uh, it, it's weird. I'm a weird dude and I got a creak. I get the creaky dulcet tones. And but I'm here to keep you coming. This is like uh, the best offer I can get. Is I'll be here for an hour. So you do, like you, if you can't sleep, I'll be here too. I believe tonight we'll be talking about uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, of which I remember almost nothing. So who knows how? How am I going to fill 50 minutes with that? Uh, but that's the second part of the show. Structurally, I already forgot that part too. But um. So, like, uh, like these are called tail of the tape episodes where I try to run the VCR tape in my brain. So I think that's it. I mean, the main, main thing is I'm glad you're here. Uh, I really hope I can, like, help you fall asleep. I, I forgot, like, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was trying to, like, remind you of. But uh, I know this will be a real short uh, intro because I think whatever I was distracting me when I started... 
like I don't want to get, I can't start talking about the Gummy Bears TV show because I got to get to the, like, it'll be too distracting. So I don't know. I'm glad you're here. And as I say, every, this is, so this is like a big short intro. Boy, short for me, nine minutes or something. Uh, but like I say, every time I'm glad you're here. And I really hope and I yearn to help you fall asleep. So thanks for coming by. All right, hey everybody, it's time for another Tale of the Tape episode. And these are, as I said in the intro, kind of an occasional uh, type episode in it, where I talk about uh, stuff I can barely remember, uh, like movies I, I've probably seen um, hundreds of times. And I try to remember them. And, and I didn't get it like, like uh, so tonight we'll be talking about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I haven't looked anything up. As tempted as I was, just like with Back to the Future, I didn't look anything up about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, so I don't know what year it came out. I would guess, uh, oh boy, I really have no idea, 84? But it could be 88. I, I don't really know what year. It was still, stars the great Paul Rubens. And I know, like, again, another one of uh, people probably we owe a large portion of the podcast to because he also had Pee-wee's Playhouse. And I think there was also like a HBO more adult Pee-wee's Playhouse, and then there was a kids Pee-wee's Playhouse, and there was a Pee-wee movie. I don't know the order of any of those. And then I know like more recently in the last 10 years, uh, there was a big, like I think in L.A. and maybe even on Broadway, uh, Paul, Mr. Rubens, I, like had done like some revival stuff of Pee-wee. I'm pretty sure uh, one of the great uh, podcast personalities, Paul Rust, like uh, was writing a Pee Wee movie, and I think I think they came out. I don't know. Like I'm blanking on other Pee Wee stuff, just like with Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and uh, like uh, another great like uh, Paul Rust is a really really fun- funny person, uh, talent, super talented. And so I thought I told, and this is like a like a fairly highly requested uh, movie. And, and and again, to just show how quickly I can get to requests, I think this was requested like a year ago by a few different people. And like I guess I'm trying to buy time to let the VCR in my brain start up. Uh, but like I, so I don't really remember the first time I saw this movie, but I was already familiar with Pee Wee. I think. So maybe the Pee-Wee's Playhouse would had already been on TV. And I think this was heavily marketed because it like I can remember like some of the gags in the movie that are or maybe they just became memes. Uh you know, like I'm trying to use the phone and uh, Pee-Wee dancing to tequila. Like I don't know if those were played on uh endless loops or they just became memes, like where they were repeated in my brain in on the playgrounds of the world. And I'm not sure, I guess I, even as a kid, I, like I got it more on a non-intellectual level, like who was Pee Wee Herman? He was a man-child. And I think like, especially to a kid, that is a perfectly acceptable way to adults. Uh, and he was kind of a mature man-child in some sense because uh, he, 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 he was like very clean and like uh like it seemed like he was in good shape and could take care of himself. It seemed to have some kind of income, as opposed to like you know slob. You know, some somebody that's a slob and they live with their parents or whatever. Like a comedic, where it's played for like a comedic thing. Pee Wee was just like accepted. It, like uh, I think I don't know if Pee Wee had a job. I'm trying to like we'll, we'll find out if I can remember any of that. 
But this movie was really based on Pee-wee and Pee-wee's bike. Uh, oh, boy, I don't know if the bike had a name. But so the movie opens, I think, in the morning. Oh, let me talk about one other thing before I start talking about the movie, which is the music, uh, which I think is impossible to separate from the movie, at least in my mind, and the music is playing right now. And I don't know who did it, but but it was a brilliant, not just soundtrack, I'm talking about the score combined with the soundtrack of this uh, music that had carnival elements and kind of... um, like manic type elements combined with like a little bit of dissonance. Uh, but again, like enough that there was a running, these running musical themes uh, that really just create, like they were a essential layer, at least of the movie. And I think of why it's endured in my mind and so many other people's minds for so long. I mean, I would dare say, it, the, like, like other than Paul Rubin's performance, uh, the music might have been, like, number two. And, and at least in my memory, it, it is number two. So as far as I remember, uh, the movie opens at Pee-wee's house, and Pee-wee's sleeping. And I'm surprised, or maybe a theme park did open up a Pee-wee's house, but, like, uh, Pee-wee's house was like a child's dream. Everything was automated. Like, it, like it gave this hint of, uh, like, uh, what are those things called? Uh, infernal machines? I don't know. I don't know if that's the right term. Like, uh, like the video game mousetrap. I think that there's another word for it. I don't think it'll come to me. You know, but where the bowling ball rolls and then the mouse rolls up the string. And so uh, all of Pee-wee's breakfast... I think even getting dressed and getting his clothes was all automated, but in a, like an analog a, a, a automation or mechanical automation, which was visually fun. And Pee Wee, like uh, one of the, the, the big things that's important to me in making things, uh, but I don't necessarily experience as much, but Pee-wee did. It was in helped with the audiences. Pee-wee was delighted by things. And so even though this was his morning routine, he was delighted as, I don't know, his bed rolled up and made itself. I can't remember. I think there was toast and eggs involved and that this perfect breakfast arrived at the table. Unlike the TV show, I don't think there was any sentient... Um, objects in the in the peewee's big big adventure took place on a normal earth i think all normal earth rules applied in the movie uh, where on peewee's playhouse there was a little bit more of a, like a children's tv element where like cherry pull yourself up a chair let the fun begin it's time to let down your hair something 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 else Pee-wee's Playhouse, like that was the theme song to the TV show. Which so this was this took place in the same Earth we live in, which was good because it's, I mean maybe a heightened version of it, but I don't think it was that heightened because like they showed how everything that Pee-wee's like how Pee-wee designed his home was a mystery to us, but it made perfect sense. Uh, and of course there was a great I mean for me at least there was a great degree of jealousy. And envy that Pee-wee lived in his his home uh, that was so cool. And I think Pee-wee probably had pajamas. I'm kind of picturing some regular-looking, like, uh, pajamas. But then Pee-wee got into the signature suit with, the uh, like, a gray 
I don't know, is that gabardine? I don't think it is, but I don't know what the heck, anything. Like a light gray suit with a red bow tie and his signature haircut, which I don't know what you call that either, but like kind of like a buzz, like with a little stuff up in the front, uh, close cut with a spiky front. And again, this idea, at least in my mind, of like uh, things delight Pee-wee. And I guess is a lesson I didn't take. Like Pee-wee really does exist in the moment. Uh, and then Pee-wee was getting ready for the day. Then I, as far as I remember, Pee-wee went to unlock Pee-wee's bike, which, of course, I, if the bike has a name, I don't remember it. And this was Pee-wee's pride and joy, the bike. And it was uh, like uh, very protected by security. I don't really remember anything other than Pee-wee punching code. Uh, to get Pee-wee's bike out, and it was a beautiful, beautiful bike. Uh, it would be, even at the time of the movie, considered a retro bike. Uh, a lot of chrome, looked like a very heavy bike. Nowadays, a bike like that would have an electrical drivetrain or something to help move it with its weight. Almost like a hot rod car, like with cool rocket lights and red elements, a little bit of chrome, and some white elements. So just like a 1950s car and shiny and uh, immaculate, I would say. Also, I'm kind of picturing a small white dog. So I don't know if Pee-wee had a dog or the, the, the I know pets come to play later in the movie. Uh, but, you know, the Pee-wee, like, I, I don't know, was there, I don't think there was a basket on the car. Oh, there were, like, uh... I guess I'm getting mixed up with the later parts of the movie. Uh, but so Pee-wee has breakfast. Pee-wee gets out Pee-wee's bike. And then Pee-wee goes to leave uh, Pee-wee's home. And he's greeted by his neighbor. And I'm not sure of the actor's name, but very recognizable 80s actor who a lot of times played a, like a bully-like character, sometimes a sidekick, a good sidekick, uh, with a, like a non, what is that called? Like a... When this actor played a, like a, a positive character, he was kind of more of the skeptical character. Uh, he was really good at making those skeptical uh, or like uh, harsher bully faces. And, and also very. And this character is very rich. I don't remember the character's name. Maybe they'll come to me. But he said, hey, Pee-wee, I still want to buy your bike or something. And Pee-wee said, you know, my bike's not for sale. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I'll pay anything, any price for this bike. And Pee-wee said, you know, what's money? Like, this bike's invaluable to me. And I said, no, no, more than that. And Pee-wee said, this bike's priceless. And then I said, well, what's your price? Uh, and Pee-wee said, you know, what, 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 what's the monetary value to a boy who loves his bike? Uh and the guy said, well, don't, I'm going to get that bike someday. So, so we have this antagonism right away. And also a contrast right away with the, like the world of Pee-wee, like Pee-wee's home is cloistered in his own like kingdom, like much like a superhero. And then Pee-wee sets off and this is where I lose uh, like a consciousness here. So let's see if we could figure out like brainstorm what happens, uh, Pee-wee leaves on Pee-wee's bike. Uh, he has interaction with his neighbor. And then I really have no idea where Pee-wee went next. Uh, like, uh, there's a pet store that plays a role later in the movie. So I don't know if Pee-wee works at a pet store at the beginning of the movie. It's so weird that uh, 
I can remember everything like leading up to the like this this part. I mean, I remember Pee Wee riding off, uh, laughing as Pee Wee does, and uh, and it's a total blank. Uh, it was an like uh, I can picture the end of the movie too, or some parts of the end of the movie, and uh, like but uh, like I don't really remember. Uh, I, 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 have, I have no recall of. Uh, of uh, like what 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 happens next? Like I wish I did. I'm really trying to write. Like I, I can picture a diner, but I don't know if that's real or just because Pee Wee's bike has like a chrome and red, like a diner would. And so so this is a pretty big gap because so at some point Pee Wee goes somewhere, locks Pee Wee's bike up. We see that like in like one of the side cabinets. Pee Wee's got all these chains. And the bike's locked. It, it felt like a, like a back lot on a Hollywood studio or like a New York City brownstone street. I mean, there's a hint in my mind that maybe Pee Wee was going to see some sort of expert, uh, whether to get a bike part, so like a new bell maybe, or uh, like a new kind of life for the bike or something for Pee Wee's home. But uh, Pee-wee met with this expert and then went outside, and uh, the bike was gone. And uh, at first, Pee-wee said, well, there's no way, like, the bike could be gone. Uh, because it was like, uh, you know, and then maybe started finding chain links. And then the, re- like, revelation let in that Pee-wee's uh, bike was really gone. It was stolen. Like, maybe, I, I don't know if Pee-wee's running to, like, pedestrians saying, have you seen my bike? Have you seen my bike? Have you seen my bike? Uh, but then the, the gravity of everything hits, Pee- it hits Pee-wee. And if I, I mean, this, again, is just, like, a common Pee-wee thing, so I don't know if it's that. Uh, I guess I'll have to switch between Mr. Herman or P.W., uh, but, uh, like he screams to the heavens with like a, the peewee level scream and he's clearly like very devastated that his bike is gone. And then I don't know what happens next. I mean, this is what like, uh, I don't know if like, I, I don't think it's structurally, I'm not sure of the, like, is this a call to adventure? I guess so, but it's not like, it is a call to adventure. The journey begins, but I'm not exactly sure what would stir the journey. I would assume Pee-wee went to the authorities next, and uh, I'm sure he was convinced that his neighbor stole the bike. So I don't know what like it gave Pee-wee the uh, the gumption to hit the road after Pee-wee's bike. So uh, here's an idea for fun. I'm gonna like pause it and uh, like I'm gonna check it the first like the I'm gonna try to only look at the first act of the movie on Wikipedia or something and and uh, I'll be back into you won't even know I was gone. Okay, so I'm back because I'm really embarrassed now. The movie was directed by Tim Burton. Like I don't know how I missed that, and it was written by uh, uh, Paul Rubens, Phil Hartman, and Michael Varhol. Uh, so, and then Danny Elfman did the music and it came out in uh, 1985 in the summer. So it like, uh, and it grows to 40 million developed into a cult film and Pee Wee's a neighbor was named Francis. Uh, 
Oh, he works at a bike shop. Uh, Dottie has a crush on Pee Wee, but he does not reciprocate. So I don't really remember that. Uh, I'm trying to picture that in my head, but I cannot picture that. Uh, and then Pee Wee's bike goes while he's shopping at the mall, which makes sense. Because uh, I felt like he was shopping. I don't, it doesn't say on Wikipedia what he was shopping for. And the police can't help Pee Wee, and he tells them that Francis probably took it. And uh, then, uh, like, uh, Pee-wee goes uh, to confront Francis. And this I read, but I didn't remember either. I guess I do remember Francis playing in the bathtub now that that reminds me. But so uh, Francis was playing in the bathtub ships, and Francis is also, I guess, a man-boy. And, like, because he still takes baths and plays with things. And I, I don't know Francis's age. And I don't remember, I really don't remember Pee-wee showing up at Francis's house and demanding the bike back. But apparently, according to Wikipedia, that's what happened. And then Francis's father, who I cannot remember either, says, you know, no, no, Francis didn't take your bike, like, uh, or something. And then maybe it's Francis's father that puts up the reward for Pee-wee's bike. But then there's a $10,000 reward for Pee-wee's bike, uh, but the bike is still missing, you can't believe I don't remember any of this stuff. Like, uh, which weird though, not to go on a tangent, was I could, the other day I was trying to remember one of my own. I couldn't sleep. Uh, surprise, surprise. And I was trying to remember where I bought this one bike that I had that got stolen, oddly enough. Uh, it wasn't locked. It was in my, like, uh, my apartment building's driveway where I mistakenly thought I could just leave it. But that was a mistake. And the nickname of that bike was Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N, I think, because uh, it was purple and white. But I can barely picture it in my head. And I can't for the life of me figure out where I bought it. I, I think I talked about this in another intro, like if I got it on Craigslist or at a used bike store. So, they, like, I guess me and Pee Wee share some things. And actually, that was also like, like a, like a, now this was back when I was out there. So... It was kind of my own fault because I probably got home late at night and I was in the bag. And then uh, I got up the next day for work. I wasn't feeling good. And I guess I was like uh, feeling so ungood that I decided to take the bus instead of riding my bike. And I was halfway to my bus stop and I saw a bike lock that looked exactly like mine. And I walked by it because uh, it was just hanging on my handlebars. It wasn't locked, unfortunately, obviously. And then I said, wait a second, that looked exactly like my bike lock. And I went back and I tried the key in it, and it was my bike lock. And they said, I ran home. And they said, oh, my bike's gone, which was a big bummer. And then uh, then I had to go to work. Uh, I actually lost count. I've had three bikes stolen. I thought I only had had two, but I've had three stolen uh, but like, uh, most of them are my, you know, uh, whatever, not important. This was, uh, what happened to Pee. Well, let's talk about Pee Wee Scoots. But so at some point, um, like so Pee Wee's bike's still missing. Just like my memories of uh, his bike. And then I did read, I had to read, I had to look up again because he said, how does this adventure even start? Like, why do, do, would Pee Wee go on the road when this, Francis is the main suspect? Uh, but the, the reason was that uh, Pee Wee went to meet with a psychic uh, 
and I don't remember this either. Like, uh, I mean, I remember like, so, like, uh, the Pee Wee had a psychic on a TV show or something like that, uh, or someone mystical. Uh, but this was different, I guess. Uh, but within the crystal ball, and I, like there was also the, there's like this theme in the Pee Wee's Pee Wee movie, a little bit about uh, what is that called? Uh, Pee Wee's gullibility. So I don't know if this psychic was taking advantage of Pee Wee or not, uh, or that they were just a bad psychic. But that they uh, like um. Like they said that his bike was taken to the basement of the Alamo. And I think like everyone like knew that there is no basement at the Alamo or maybe or why, why would it be at the basement of the Alamo? But so anyway, so um, Pee Wee sets out on Pee Wee's adventure, the big adventure to find Pee Wee's bike and... Like, uh, I guess to go to, like, to head towards that, to somehow get to the Alamo. I don't know why Pee-wee heads out without any help, uh, is, but, but Pee-wee does. And, and so, um, I'm trying to think of what else, like, uh, I can remember, like, uh, leading up to the, um, the trials and the tribulations, or whatever you want to call the, the, this part of the movie. Yeah, but Pee Wee hits the road, and Pee Wee has like a few different run-ins, uh, and I don't know what order they take place in, and I also don't even remember all of the details of. It, but like one of the like Pee Wee's hitchhiking, and first Pee Wee meets uh, Large Marge, uh, who's a truck driver and very friendly, and it's like a dark and rainy night, and Pee Wee's all wet and a little bit down. And so Pee-wee uh, gets in the truck with Marge, and they make some all talk. And then Marge tells some tall tales to Pee-wee about uh, her day's truck driving, and you know, like things things she's seen. And you know, there's like Pee-wee's kind of awkward, you know. So there's like a little bit of awkward nervousness, and in that, and then. Uh, Marge says, well, like, I'm going to drop you off at this diner. And then Pee-wee goes into the diner, and they say, geez, how'd you get here? And Pee-wee says, Large Marge. And everyone says, Large Marge? Uh, she's just a legendary mythological character. Uh, you know, that you could, you could like, a, like a, you know, an icon, iconic. Uh, and Pee-wee says, well, no, I got a ride from her. And they say, oh, no, that's impossible. That's like... Uh, that's mystical, man. And Pee-wee says, oh, dear. Uh, then at another point, Pee-wee meets a French woman, uh, which uh, all I can remember about that is, like, the jokes Pee-wee does with uh, French. Uh, and I don't know, like, her name was not Babette. Uh, it started with an M. But I'm assuming they had some sort of adventure together, but I really don't remember it. Like I thought I remember this movie better than I did. Uh, so maybe I'll like I'll stop it like at 30 minutes, and then I'll do another 20 minutes after this of uh, after I've watched a movie. Yeah, but you know this is pretty lulling, soothing. A person that can't, but just for the hardcore Pee Wee fans. Um, then Pee Wee meets a man clad in denim, a denim clad man. Uh, who wears bra metal bracelets, and 
he's trying to, you know, he's, he's on the road trying to, to forget things, uh, in his rearview mirror. So him and Pee Wee team up and Pee Wee doesn't realize it at the time, but he says, well, this guy's just trying to get away, you know, get away from it. You know, like, uh, sometimes you want to get away where everybody knows your name or whatever. And Pee Wee doesn't realize it. And then they run across, uh, like a roadblock. And then Pee Wee, uh, has to dress like a woman, uh, and pretend he's this man's wife. And he really like takes delight in that again. And you see things through Pee Wee's delightful eyes and he's really hamming it up. And, uh, it's titillating for everybody involved, I think, uh, and so there's that enjoyment, like, uh, like through everyone's titillation, like Pee Wee seems to really be enjoying it. And some of the other characters do. And I'll just be honest, Pee Wee looked pretty good. Like, like, uh, like, and so I think some of the other characters agree. I think it's just like when someone's overflowing with delight, it's, uh, intoxicating. And so, uh, I don't know how that resolves. I think then they just go their separate ways, uh, at some point, Pee-wee has a dream, and it's a layered dream about uh, clown friends and per- for performing with his bike, and then like that they 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 are repairing his bike, and that Pee-wee doesn't like that dream at all, and I think that underlies maybe that's towards the beginning his need to get to get to the adventure and find his bike. Yeah, then at some point Pee-wee goes to a roadhouse and meets with. Uh, like the bikers accidentally knocks their bikes over, yells at them. He's trying to use their phone, and then he has to dance off uh, to win their. Uh, first, he borrows shoes from somebody, and then he does tequila on the bar with this special peewee dance, and he wins their affection. And then they give peewee a motorcycle, which peewee takes a motorcycle that doesn't work out. Then somehow Pee-wee finally gets, I don't know if he ran across any other characters, but he finally gets to Alamo, finds out there's no basement in the Alamo, is devastated that his adventure all is lost. That's the part of the story where all is lost. And then Pee-wee saves a, um, like, a, what do you call it, pet store. Pee-wee saves a pet store, all the pets, and Pee-wee's a hero. And Pee-wee gets interviewed, and they say, "Jesus, like, uh, how'd you do it, man? Like, well, like, and he he says, well, I was, uh, I just love pets. And then they say, well, what are you doing here? And he says, well, my bike got stolen. I'm missing it. And then they decide to make a movie about Pee-wee's adventure, his adventure to find his bike. I don't know if he finds his bike first, or is it counter, like a copy of his bike, uh, but it becomes a movie based on, like, a, a hyper version of his adventure, including him, I think, with, uh, I don't know if it's a French woman or someone else, like, uh, Pee-wee, like, uh, like, the bike has rockets, and Pee-wee's a spy, and Pee-wee's swinging on a vine on his bike, and very heroic. Uh, then there's a big movie premiere where all the characters from the movie uh, come to see the movie premiere. And then I think Pee-wee has the bike and returns home. I don't know. So let's, uh, this will be the two, t- t- two tales of the tape. Cause so I'll be back, uh, and record another half of this, uh, uh, probably tomorrow night after I'm going to watch Pee-wee's big adventure tonight. 
he really says, Scoot's here, and, uh, like, a, like a, so I'm coming in at, like, a 24 hours later. I, I watched uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and, uh, it, like, uh, I really was surprised at uh, how much I missed on my recap. So I was re- And I was really glad to rewatch it. I watched it with my daughter, so we had a nice shared experience there watching um and just in case to set this up, just in case anybody's listening, I decided to put this at the top of the show, the, like because I don't know when I'm going to put this. I, I haven't decided. Uh, like uh, I'll be talking about uh, later in the second half of the show when you're ideally if you're asleep, but if you're not asleep, I'll be here. You know, just like I always say, I'll be talking about what I could remember about Pee Wee's Big Adventure, a tale of the tape, and it was so poor, like my memory. Like, there were so many gaps, and, and I just felt this craving to kind of fill in uh, and see what I, I couldn't remember. Because uh, I didn't feel like I was doing Pee Wee or Paul Rubens or Tim Burton or Danny Elfman or the listeners any justice. So I rewatched it last night. I didn't take notes, so this is still based on my impressions. So I think I'll talk about the movie for about 10, 15 minutes, and I'll talk about Pee Wee and, and Paul Rubin's portrayal, or, or um, I guess, well, maybe there'd be a third thing of, like, how similar is that to the podcast? Uh, uh, but so the movie, I, I, did, I did miss a lot from the beginning, and, it, it like, I, I guess I'm not surprised, uh, but, but at the same time, it, it, like, the movie is a wonderful uh, first act, I forgot all about Dottie, even though, uh, Dottie was super, like, kind of, Pee Wee's kind of love interest, uh, she was definitely interested in Pee Wee, he was kind of like, 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 uh, like, kind of like, well, you're a little, like, uh, like, over-aggressive or something, he, he wasn't super, like, he wasn't available, I guess, uh, at least to Dottie. And uh, like, uh, she she was I forget the actress's name, but uh, like uh, she was in a, like a couple of movies with uh, John Cusack, Cusack, Cusack or Cusack, right? Uh, but so like uh, so, Daddy, I forgot about I forgot about I, I remembered the bike shop. I forgot that Pee Wee visits a magic shop, which has a lot of gags. And I also forgot about, like, there's, like, you know, we'll talk about this when we talk about Pee-wee, but, like, a lot of the physical comedy, uh, along with the personality-driven comedy, also, like, the the level of kind of, like, a near-clown mime, like, uh, like, I talk about Mr. Bean. I, I never watched a ton of Mr. Bean. And, of course, Pee-wee has dialogue, but, but at the same time, I could see kind of these, uh, and I've never read any interviews with Paul Rubin, so kind of about uh, either his training or his inspirations, which I guess is, leaves me sorely lacking. I do know this movie was also inspired by the movie The Bicycle Thief, which uh, I think I saw one time, but it was late at night after I drank a lot, so... I'll have to rewatch that movie with a clear head uh, to kind of see. And that was a thing I totally blanked on, and I really didn't even remember it when I was watching it. But like, it opens with a dream sequence of Pee Wee in a bike race, and that reminded me a lot of Fletch. I love the dream sequences in the movie Fletch. Maybe that could be another movie I might remember more of. 
So that was fun. And then, again, I was right about Pee-wee's delight. And even in the dream, he's delightful. Then he wakes up, and he's kind of greeting the day with this joy and playfulness. And then we see him cooking. We meet his dog. Uh, it starts with an S. It's not like a, it's like a, I forgot his dog's name already. Let's just say it's Spike, even though it's not. And... Uh, and then Pee-wee, like, sets out with his day. He has a great relationship with his next-door neighbor, waters his lawn, we see his home. Uh, then he has a run-in about the bike, which kind of is a foreshadowing, like we talked about. Then he goes biking, and there's some fun montages, and then Pee-wee goes into town, and there's a lot of fun over-the-top moments. And then the Pee-wee's bike goes missing, and like his over kind of over the top reaction. And then there's this hilarious scene when Pee Wee's kind of trying to get everyone to help him. Really, really funny in, in the basement in front of a map of San Francisco. And I don't know where the movie's supposed to take place. If it's supposed to take place in San Francisco, but it does feel like a lot of the exterior, uh, like natural shots, like the bike race and some other stuff took place in the Northern California. It just uh, looked familiar like maybe Napa or Sonoma County or something. But so, uh, let's see. So th- that was a great scene. The basement scene with Pee-wee was really, really funny and uh, how over the top, just r- almost like a Simpsons-style humor. So maybe Pee-wee was like an archetype for that type of humor. I, I don't know, uh, but really fun. And then, uh, like, there's the first, all, like, his bike is lost, and then Pee-wee rejects all help, uh, like, first by being overly demanding, and then when Dottie directly wants to help him, he said, no, 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 I'm going to do this on my own, uh, you don't get it, and I think something else happens, uh, that I'm missing, and then Pee-wee, like, uh, talks to a psychic uh, who says it's in the basement of the Alamo. He's out in the rain. He's almost gone feral at that point, and then he hits the road, and I guess I don't want to spoil the movie for everybody by recapping it, but this was all stuff I didn't remember. Uh, then he hits the road, and there's some comedic stuff with him trying to get a ride. Then he has the run-in with the guy on the run, which is pleasant, and when he dresses up, uh, uh, there's some just just a lot of funny scenes. Also, I said, Jesus is based in the real world. There were some bending in the real world rules, uh, so a little bit of uh, there is some cartoon help that Pee Wee gets every once in a while, but for the most part, it takes place in in our world with our rules. Uh, then Pee-wee runs into Large Marge. Uh, then he, he, he didn't realize he had le- lost his wallet long before. I think the psychic still had his wallet. Then he meets Simone, who's American. I thought she was French, but she just loves France and her, her, her France, and her dream is to go to France. Uh, then we meet Andy, Simone's boyfriend, who's a jerk, and uh, that offers more physical comedy. Uh, then Pee-wee hops a train, and that was, like, really a funny scene just because, like, Pee-wee can wear on people's nerves. So then to see, like, uh, uh, the, his buddy on the train, like a happy tramp-type character singing uh, to wear on Pee-wee's ner- nerves in just a way uh, they stretch the scene out. Uh, 
is a really good good scene. And if you want to watch it with a kid, you guarantee they're going to crack up. You know, just make sure that they're laughing with the scene and not at it. Uh, or they know why you're laughing so hilariously. Because you just, like, so then Pee-wee ends up, finds the Alamo. We get a, he visits the Alamo. We see Jan Hooks uh, and Phil Hartman at different times. I think, when do we see Phil Hartman, who wrote the movie, as I said, or as I will say later? And it looks like it was written by Phil Hartman and then uh, Paul Rubens and then his maybe his writing partner for Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, and directed by Tim Burton, which makes a lot more sense seeing it. Uh, and I, like, I don't know how I forgot that. But then Pee Wee hits another low in San Antonio when he finds out there, like, uh, his, uh, but, but there is no basement in San Antonio, in the Alamo. There's a lot of Texas jokes. Then there's even more physical humor, even after Pee Wee kind of hits, uh, uh, this like a low and then he finds his bike on tv like uh the kid the ki- older brother from wonder years who is a kid actor is uh, receiving it like i don't know some deal with some studio or something so then Pee Wee knows uh oh wait oh like uh, okay like uh, like i could get to hollywood and he sneaks in the warner brothers a lot with milton burrell uh, and again, the music, of course, is always good. His humor is good. Then we have a long montage of uh, Pee Wee finding the bike and then escaping with the bike, uh, with, with tons of tons of fun humor in there. Really, really, uh, really fun. Uh, and uh, I driven by right on my way to go on uh, uh, Liz and Howard's show. Is, is staying positive. I, I took this. I took a side row. I, I drove by Warner Brothers Studio, and I was caught in traffic, so I was able to look down some of those. It was just a, like an a interesting tie-in. Also, my daughter calls it Warner Bros. Uh, and not Warner Brothers, even though like she insists that's a proper name, Warner Bros. Which I love. I find that delightfully cute. Um, which, so, there's this great scene. I mean, like, a long, full of comedy and good for kids and parents. Uh, also, at some point, Pee-wee has a bad dream about clowns. He also has a bad dream about dinosaurs that really aren't that bad, but, like, for little kids, maybe. But I don't think so. I think the only thing we'd like to avoid is a large Marge scene. My daughter had to close her eyes, uh... So those like other than that, it's a very uh, totally family friendly fun movie. Just uh, you know, when your daughter looks at you with knowing eyes, when Pee Wee does stuff, that's the only thing that's awkward for me. It's like, jeez, uh, uh, but it, it just fun seeing it through a kid's eyes, trying to figure out uh, what's the deal. Oh, also to jump back, I forgot like how fun the scenes were with Francis and Pee Wee when Pee Wee goes to Francis's house. Those were really fun and well done too. Like Pee Wee hops in the bathtub with Francis, and that was really funny. Um, but so back to so Pee Wee's at the Warner Brothers, Warner Bros, and security's trying to get him because he took the bike. Finally, he gets away. And then what happens? Uh, when does he become friends with the bikers, too? I guess I'm mixed. I'm missing a couple things. I guess, uh, 
Huh, interesting question, Scoots. I think he runs into the bikers when he's trying. Oh, yeah, before, after the Alamo, he does bull riding, which I just skipped over because it wasn't super important. But that was one of the fun physical comedy scenes. And then I think he's just randomly walking on the street and he goes into this bar. Oh, he because he was trying to get a bus ticket because he doesn't have any money uh, to get back. He's given up. And uh, so he's calling Dottie. He had called Dottie once and he interrupted him. So he had to call Dottie. He was going to call Dottie again, I think. So he goes into this bar and that's like one of the, the trailer scenes uh, when he's in this biker bar. And I just still don't quite understand the total mechanics of how he won them over with the tequila thing. But I will be studying my brother's wedding. I have a brother getting married in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I will be studying those dance moves, uh, some of which come naturally to me. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, the wedding will have already gone off. But uh, I plan on doing dancing to the tequila. Maybe every dance I'll be doing peewee level dancing. So uh, he, so he dances, and the bikers fall in love with him. And that's how he finds his bike on TV, because he's resting after being with the bikers. So then then there's the Hollywood scene. See, even with it, this is still like tell the tape, even though I had to kind of uh, research it. So then even then, uh, he uh, so he's, he, what happened? Where was I? Oh, he, he gets away from security. And then that's when he saves all the pets that we will talk about or we already talked about. That's when he has this heroic moment. Uh, but he also gets caught. And then the, but the director of the movie studio is like, uh, hey, Pee-wee, like, uh, like, we're going to make a movie about your story instead of, like, busting you for stealing the bike and trashing the studio. And then Pee Wee says, great. And then that, then there's the movie premiere scene. So I got a lot of this ending mixed up that uh, the, this montage at the studio is separate from the movie. So it's like a back lot tour with Pee Wee running around. Then there's the movie premiere at the drive-in that Dottie had wanted to go to a date to. And Pee Wee revisits all the characters he met on his journey, giving them stuff from the concession stand. And cracking jokes. And meanwhile, like, the movie's going on, and it's like a hyper-realized, like, a James Bond version of Pee-wee with uh, some, like, heartthrob-type actor. I don't know who it was, because I'm not good with those names. And, uh, like, a, like, a, like a heartbreaking love interest. And it's kind of a James Bond Cold War thing with the Pee-wee Spike getting stolen by ninjas, I think, and Russians. But Pee-wee gives out all the candy, and then finally he gets to Dottie, and he gives her some candy. And then he, she says, he says, let's get out of here. She says, you don't want to see the movie? He goes, this is a, I lived it, Dottie. Let's, let's hit the road. And then they ride across the front of the screen to the movie. And that's it. So it was like a... Interesting, and I guess, like, uh, maybe they struggled with when were they going to roll the credits, uh, just because that ending seemed a t- tiny bit abrupt, uh, but uh, made sense at the same time, and it was satisfying. It was it was a satisfying ending, even though it seemed abrupt, uh, and it made sense. Pee-wee returned to Pee-wee's world, and so then you just want to briefly talk about Paul. Like, I didn't, I did forget... Uh, the intensity and the nuanced intensity of Pee Wee 
and how he's a little bit like unhinged in a good way. And that was like something that really works about it. And I think something that uh, was a reason he became like, uh, like such a pop cultural sensation and kind of the difference that I talk about, like there's a lot of this, uh, I mean, there always will be, I think this, uh, man child or man boy or adults they can't grow up, uh, hopefully it's becoming, you know, multi-gendered, like, uh, people being stuck in, in infancy, but maybe it is just like, uh, like privileged dudes, but, uh, like this is a little bit different because most of that is like, uh, is like this entitlement to like, uh, Oh, well, I'm never going to grow up because I'm immature and like the humor is kind of based on that. This one is like Peewee actually is like more subversive and has a lot more edge. And I think it fits right in that punk rock era. Like, to, like Peewee is way more punk rock than, uh, like almost any other man, he's the most punk rock man child, I think, like in my opinion. Because just he, he does have this serious, like it's like a cloaked in sweetness and humor and, you know, the way he looks like mime like and, and unassuming. And also, like, uh, like, uh, in not just in a, a subversive way, in a way where he has to learn. He, I mean, it was amazing that he says, uh, the lesson he learned through his journey was humility. And it's a word that gets thrown around a lot in different circles and stuff. But like to, for a character to say, geez, that's what I learned was humility. And, and that's what, the, what I needed this journey for. I don't know. That was also impressive. But just how much humor turns on in, in Paul Rubin's face. Uh, I mean, how much of it relies on his ability to show that conflicted edge within Pee-wee, uh, uh, I don't know, really like a br brilliant, brilliant stuff, uh, and, uh, really enjoyable to just watch. And, and I guess, I guess the last question would be, uh, since I do know so little, like, I mean, I, I don't, I know a lot about Pee-wee. And even my daughter was asking, because it says, you know, Pee-wee played starring Pee-wee Herman, or playing Pee-wee Herman as himself or something. And as someone that, like, like has this, uh, like, with the podcast, it's not a, I'm not acting when I record the podcast, uh, but, like, it's this hyper-realized version of myself, uh, but it's more like a method becoming thing. Like it's not method acting. It's like, I, I always say this is like a, like a zone. I'm getting into the zone, but it's more like I'm becoming Scooter. I'm here with you to keep you company in the deep dark night. And in the moment I'm recording this, so like I, my hands are held together right now because it's the truth. Like, uh, this is what I am here. Your, your presence to, 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 to take your mind off of stuff. Like I say on the show, so I just wonder if Paul Rubens and it can relate to that of like, uh, it maybe he can like this confusing because it, it can be a little bit confusing and it can be confusing for people in your life or people that meet you. I mean, I think the podcast is a luxury cause it's a audio thing. So I don't have like a whole, like a, like a, like PPE so like a whole visual. I, I don't know. I think there's a vocabulary word for it, but, uh, 
But man, like, what a gem. And I, ha- I haven't seen in the new movie. There, so there was a Netflix movie last year. And I did watch the trailer. And I don't, I didn't look to see if it's a movie that I know Paul Rust was writing like five or six years ago. I heard him on uh, Pilar's show that had uh, Matt Belknap from Never Not Funny used to produce uh, on the page. I'm pretty sure that's where I heard Paul Russ get interviewed. And this is maybe this was even like six or seven years ago, but uh, uh, talking about working on a Pee Wee movie. But uh, I don't know. So I'll have to look into that. And I guess I'll have to look into this like, uh, or maybe we could open it up if you're, if you're listening and you're a big uh, Paul Rubens Pee Wee fan. You know, point me towards uh, Pee Wee, or is there any uh, DVD extras? Uh, where he's talking about it, or was he ever, did he ever talk about the tension of that, of like, well, I don't want to go into, like, a, like, I have to keep things separate. I mean, and, and, you know, and there was, like, a, it was clear that that wasn't always easy uh, for him. And, but I'm not really interested in that part. I'm more interested in, like, a, I don't know, it's just such a special and unique, but, but influenced by all these, like, a, like I said, the mimes and clowns and the great, uh, like, you know, things I'm a fan of, like Laurel and Hardy. Like, uh, I don't know. I, it was just the right time for me to see uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to uh, these artists like Paul Rubens and, and Tim Burton and frickin' Phil Hartman, another genius. Uh, so, like, uh, really lucky, too, to have a podcast where I can take a journey down that road and revisit it. Uh, and keep you company or put you to sleep, uh, you know, while I do. So I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, just picture Pee Wee's bike riding down the road. He, he had a little tiger, uh, like a communicator or whatever, like not a CB, but like a thing where he could talk, uh, a megaphone type thing. And Pee Wee's just riding down the road. And this may lead into. The first half of the show I recorded, this might lead off into the thank yous and the good nights. But, uh, you know, we all ride with Pee Wee. Uh, and it is a big adventure. And, and humility is a powerful lesson to learn. Uh, good night.